Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I'm your host Maggie and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the It's Growing Season podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 50, which is a very big milestone. I'm very excited. (laughs) And I'm also very excited because I have a very special guest on my show, TJ, who is a life empowerment coach. And I just loved this conversation so much. It's very applicable to my life. And I feel like I just gained so much valuable insight into, you know, the things that I can apply into my own life um and a lot of the problems that i'm sure are very relevant to you all listening you know related to toxic productivity overthinking and seeking external validation tj talks about how we can begin detaching our self-worth from what we check off of our to-do lists so that we can begin living from a place of love and desire rather than lack and need TJ speaks about tackling our need for external validation and provides us with tips on how to begin cultivating love and trust within ourselves. I'm very excited for all you guys to listen to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That would help me out a ton. And you can find all of TJ's links in the show notes below. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And without further ado, let's dive right into the show. Hi, TJ. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, what's going on? I'm excited to be, to be here to talk to you and discuss some really fascinating things. Yeah, I'm very excited too. And before we dive into the conversation today, I would love if you could tell us a bit about yourself so the listeners can get to know you first. Sure. So at, at heart, I really am, I guess I would say a philosopher. And that's really where my heart's at. I, I love exploring the depths of human psychology, of of what it means to be human, and what you know, what that has led me to is a career in life coaching. So my focus is on ontology. It's focused on the way of being and how people show up, not just the content of what they're saying, but rather focused on the person they're being. Right. So that's that's really what I do. Essentially, is through my life coaching, I focus on what is at their core identity the beliefs they they hold, the values they have, the subconscious um, self-sabotage and all these other things that may not be apparent to them. And I help them to uh, unravel themselves, to see themselves clearer and to make different choices. Mm. And I'm curious how you got started on this, you know, personal journey of becoming a life coach and like, how did, what led up to that moment? Well, like, like most changes in life most big changes it was an existential crisis um and it was a it was a big punch in the face by life uh i was i was 18 and i was actually looking up at the stars with one of my best friends he was my best friend and he started he said hey tj draw a line from where you're at to the moon and then draw a line from the moon to that big star and then draw a line from that big star to a small star and in doing so it it 
it gave me a sense of depth and scale. And I stopped looking at the night sky as this um, uh, landscape. And I started looking at it as I'm looking into the infinite, which I really am, which we really, we really are when we look up, right? But we don't see it that way. And in getting that, ch- that sense of scale, I, I freaked out. I totally freaked out because I started to look back at myself as a microscopic being. And with that came, with, with understanding the grandiosity of the universe and how small I am, came nihilism. I was like, what the hell is even the point of all this? And so that set me off on my hero's journey, you know, if you know Joseph Campbell, toward finding meaning, toward understanding what it means to be human. And through going through this personal journey, I realized that this wasn't just a traumatic experience. It also was the most meaningful experience of my life. And so realizing that through my passion and explore and my genuine exploration that I was able to help others if I explored honestly and with curiosity with them. And so recognizing people's responses to my, uh, my passion and my curiosity with the, the depth of conversation and recognizing how they, they would just, I don't know, say, holy shit, TJ, you, you know, you changed my life or, you, you know, you made me realize something that I have, we have been struggling with that really filled me up. It made me feel alive. It made me feel like there was meaning and purpose to my life. And I was like, wow, I love doing this. I want to do this full time. And so that's like kind of what, what led me up to actually wanting to do it. And then what really punched me and what really pushed me off the edge to, to actually get started as a coach was actually saying no to a big lump sum of money. Um, my uh, my brother offered for me to be a part of his company because I help I was helping him with uh, real estate, and he offered me a, a position is you know in his company, and it would have been a good amount of money. But s- saying no and saying yes to your values and to yourself really does something to you, and it kind of kicked me in the ass. It said, "Hey, TJ, all right, time to get started." So. I got my sort of, I like jumped in like the next few days. I just got a certification started, went through that whole certification process and started, started coaching, started putting myself out there. Wow. That takes so much courage. It, it did. It did. But I think I, I, I I'm, I'm a kind of person who believes in myself and I'll take risk, you know? Um, but hell yeah, it does. It does take courage. I, I do admit that like it wasn't, there was fears like, you know, who, who even is a life coach, you know, like who, who is successful as a life coach? Like, you know, so there was some, some doubts and fears, but pushing through them and really saying to myself, yeah, this is what really fulfills me. And actually treating that as the number one value and the number one priority really pushed me to say, yeah, let's just do it. Mm. And understand that you became certified as a life coach and later became specialized in empowerment. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. And how does being an empowerment coach, well, I guess, what does it mean to be an empowerment coach and how does it differ from other uh, specialties? So empowerment, the way that I, this is more personal, but the way that I see empowerment is not really a difference in the, the content or a difference in the subject. It's rather a difference in the approach. And what I mean by that is my goal is not to give you advice. My goal is not to um, give you my wisdom or pass on my tools. My goal is to 
reflect back to you what you may not be seeing so that you can do the work so that you can do the internal work of understanding yourself of self-discovery of like self-reflection of changing your relationship with your emotions, changing your relationship with others and yourself. And that's what I see as empowerment because I, my approach is to move people toward self-efficacy, self-sufficiency, self-reliance. And that is that's what I really think is empowerment is moving people toward self-reliance so that they don't have to stay with me as a client for years and years, but through my questions and by, by trusting and believing in them. And through that process of us discovering together side by side, instead of me giving something to them, they end up believing in themselves more and they end up developing the, the traits and the character characteristics to be able to do these things themselves and internalize the coaching process. And that's really what I'm after. And I think is the most powerful um, transformation that can help someone toward is empowerment in the direction of them being self-reliant rather than uh, all this great wisdom that's coming and expounded out of me. Does that make sense? Yeah. It just shows how much you care about the people you work with because obviously you want to keep working with them, but at the same time, the tools that you're providing them to help them be able to eventually uh, not need someone to constantly be be their coach to and be able to do all this inner work themselves, like eventually become self-reliant. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I think of it as a business and a lot of times like they want customers to come back, but in this case, it's kind of like you want them to be on their own. Right. And the thing is, you know, I also am, am interested in client um, retention, right? Yeah. But the thing is, it's not at the expense of their growth. That's the number one priority is their growth, their expansion. And it's funny because I actually do have a, a lot of clients that stay, but they stay for different reasons than when they started, mm-hmm. you know? And what I mean by that is they have internalized the coaching process, but still there is a desire, not a need, but a desire to, to keep having that interaction that you don't really get anywhere else where you can like, I think of coaching as a model relationship because there is, there needs to be trust. There needs to be honesty. There's vulnerability. There's, you know, curiosity, there's exploration, there's intuition. Everything is allowed. It's a playroom. It is going deep and being able to sit with emotions. It's processing, it's exploring, it's all kinds of things. So people that may come because they're lost or they lack confidence may or may get that in two to three months with me and then say, you know what, TJ, I I still want to continue because there's more growth to be had in a different area and a different level of my life. Mm -hmm. So I do actually retain clients, you know, but uh, it's, it's for a different level of their being. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're seeing them evolve and they're staying for a different purpose along the journey. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love love to dive into some of the topics that we have planned for today. And we were talking about toxic productivity and that's something very, that impacts me a lot in my life. So I'd love to start off with this. Um, uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what toxic productivity is and how it manifests in our lives? Yeah. Toxic productivity simply is when your, your sense of self-worth is dependent on what you get done what gets achieved for the day 
is what determines your feeling about yourself. So how that will manifest is pressure towards your to-do list. You know what you have to do today and you say, I got to do this. I got to make it right. I got to do all these things. Otherwise, I'm just, I, I don't get to work out. I don't get to hang out with my friends. I don't get to read unless I do these things, right? Or you feel guilty at the end of the day. Nah, I could I could have done better. You know, I could have done more. You know, you feel like, oh, I, I slacked or, you know, I didn't live up to my expectations. So that's how it manifests is usually in either guilt for not having done what you were supposed to do and usually anxiety and pressure around having to do um, certain tasks. Otherwise, there will be punishments. Yeah. Mm. So how do we even begin to detach that self-worth with the things that we get done in a day? Well, it, it starts with recognizing that your self-worth isn't dependent on what you achieve. And so that is a belief, right? And to address a belief, you have to understand how that belief was formed. What is the logic and what is the emotion? What is the experience that has been formulated to make that belief solid in you, right? Um, so the belief that there is uh, a need to be valuable and useful and to achieve something in order to, to be worthy in some way in your past has developed from an experience, a belief or something that made you feel that you got praise for when you achieve something. It's like, oh, wow, that praise feels a lot like love. And you learn that you get love from, from achievement. But that's the thing is that it's praise. It's not love. So it's, it's deciphering like what it is that you're trying to get by achievement. And most of the time we're trying to get love, get the ability to accept ourselves. So number one is recognizing where that belief came from and starting to go into that belief and reinterpreting that belief, the story, the emotions you have, right? So sitting with those emotions of anxiety that, oh, I need to get this done. Otherwise I'm not going to feel good about myself and inquiring into them saying, why is it that, that I feel this way? What makes me believe that? And start to do that inner work of exploring where, to, where is the foundation of my beliefs that I need um, to do something, right? So that, that requires some shadow work. It goes a little bit deeper into that. That's something that's a little bit more one-on-one, but this is what I'm, you know, this is a general overview of what you can start to do. Um, another thing to do is try to collect myself, but. Another thing to do is to start validating your worth, right? So to kind of catch yourself when you're pressuring yourself and start to say to say to yourself, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Actually, my worth is in my being. It's in the fact that I am a living being who experiences pain and pleasure, who has emotions, thoughts, uh, dreams, hopes, desires. And this is where my inherent worth comes from. A mother doesn't love a baby because the baby has all these great, amazing dreams and hopes and is so useful. The baby cries and shits, you know, like it's not, you know, super useful for the, for the mother, but the mother still loves, loves the baby. No, it's not, it's not in our usefulness that makes us lovable. So in recognizing the inherent worth of you as a being, you can start to reel back your worth and place it in a deeper part of yourself, right? Um, Maybe a third thing to do would be to um, 
practice some affirmations in, in self-validation, like my worth is in my being, right? Practicing stuff like that. And I'm trying to think of anything else, but there are a lot of other things, but this is just you know, the, the three that come to my mind to start. Mm, yeah. And I saw that in a recent post on your Instagram, you were talking about hustle culture. And I think that's very much tied to toxic productivity. And yeah. you said that hustle culture values abundance at the expense of the human need for play, rest, recovery, enjoyment, and peace. And that just that just really resonated with me, how we value abundance so much, but we do that at the expense of the things that we actually need to live a meaningful and fulfilling life. Like we will prioritize all these things on our to-do list and burn ourselves out completely rather than just letting ourselves rest and doing continuing onto those tasks when our body is physically ready to do so or physically and mentally ready to do so. I just think it's so interesting that perspective of valuing abundance, which may seem like a good thing, but you're doing that in the, at the expense of so many things that are actually much more important to your life. Yeah. I think there's a, um, there's a disconnect from our, our present. I think that we are hyper-focused on destinations as a culture and especially as American culture where, and I think modern culture is very hyper-focused on destinations and hyper-focused on the glory of getting to abundance, that place that we can get to where I'm all of a sudden, uh, I can be at peace and I can finally love myself, right? Um, but there is so much glory in, in the process, in, in growing, and we, we have deified um, progress, continual progress, always getting better, right? But we have neglected and ostracized um, being able to be at peace with yourself in the process. We, you know, it's almost like we use toxic productivity or workaholism as a humble brag. Like, oh, I'm so, I'm, I'm such a perfectionist. I'm so, you know, like we use that in interviews, right? It's like, it has, it is, changed the way that we talk about ourselves and talk to ourselves. This, this change in value, this change in the way that we see success and placing abundance out in front of us instead of in us. Thinking that we need to do things to be abundant instead of having a shift inside of ourselves. Abundance comes from gratitude. Mm. And that's so tied to self-worth, right? You were saying how self-worth is innate. It's with it's within us. We're born with it. Just the mere fact that we're alive, we're we're worthy. And yeah. that abundance is with us within us already. It's not something that you need to seek externally for. Yeah. And I love what you said about like living in the present. I've never thought about productivity as something that we're just reaching for. Like it's something in the future that we're that we're kind of yearning for but that takes us away from the present moment and what we actually need yeah and i don't want people to get confused by this message because i am not promoting um you know just living in the present i there is you know we as humans we need a higher purpose you know i'm an existentialist so i believe that there is no inherent uh you know objective meaning to life and rather we have the space to create it and I think we fill that void with um, visions of the future. Yeah. 
Um, but yet I think hope destroys us because hope depends on something being wrong now. And I think that's, that, that's the double-edged sword. That's the, the catch-22 is that it's great to desire for progress and evolve. And that's great, but not from a place in which we deny the beauty, value, lovability, acceptance of right now. Mm. But I hope people are getting this, that I'm not, I'm not saying I am against hard work and hustling. I'm just saying don't hustle from a place where you need to get to X, Y, Z in order to be able to accept and love yourself. That's the unhealthy part. But I'm not against hard work. Hard work gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. It gives us fulfillment. But the other side of fulfillment is self-acceptance. Mm, yeah, because at the end of the day, we still have to get work done. We have lives to live, but you have to be able to differentiate like where it starts getting toxic and where it starts harming us like physically and mentally. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I'd also love to talk about just the idea of overthinking. And this is very much some, another thing that plagues my life, like overthinking and mm-hmm. constantly needing to control the situation or like figure out what this person is thinking, you know, that indecisiveness in trying to make even a small decision, or if I'm meeting a new person, you know, all of these situations where overthinking can come from, um, what are, what are your experiences with helping people overcome this, this problem? Well, overthinking really at the very bottom, what it is, is a lack of trust. Mm. Overthinking is an attempt to have foresight about the future and to control it because you don't believe that you could handle if something happens that you don't want. So somewhere in your past, you have learned that when you didn't have control, something really bad happened. There was some kind of trauma and you learned either through direct experience or maybe from your parents or your uh, teachers or friends, you learned that control is necessary to produce the outcome that you want and that you don't trust either the universe, others, or yourself, right? And really what it comes down to is self-trust, right? So overthinking is recognize it for what it is. It's a desire to... Um, have foresight about the future and to have control and and influence over the future because you don't trust what's what might happen. You don't trust yourself to handle it. You don't trust the the universe to be in your favor. And you don't trust that if they aren't, if the universe isn't in your favor or people try to manipulate you, that you'll be um, able to handle it. So really what it comes down to is I don't really, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll stand the surface with some people that are overthinking, but if they are opening the door for me and they want to go deeper, I'll take them right down to self-trust and why they don't believe in themselves, why they don't trust themselves, their opinions, why they don't trust others who has hurt them, why they don't trust the universe, what has happened to them, um, you know, what situations has, has, have made them not trust themselves. And we, we, dive deeper into that and why they feel the need to control Mm. right so that's what i really go into is is going and understanding why they feel the need to control and 
understanding their sense of self-trust. And we go into rebuilding self-trust. And when you, when you can rebuild self-trust by one, stay, staying accountable to yourself, you know, saying you're going to do something and following through with it. And number two is being there for yourself, even when you don't like yourself, right? And number three is holding space for multiple parts of yourself and accepting multiple parts of yourself. So being able to do these three things will rebuild your self-trust. And when you can be there to, to um, validate all of your emotions and multiple parts of yourself when you're in conflict, when you can hold yourself accountable, you can recognize that, hey, even if you know that situation happens that I'm thinking about, I'll still be able to be there to hold space for my emotions. And I'm going to hold accountable to what I believe and what I say I'm going to do. So even if that does happen, I got me, I got my back. And if you are able to believe in yourself that way and have self-trust, it just builds self-esteem. It makes you relax. You don't have to over-calculate and over-analyze because you're not, you don't have fear of what could happen because you have trust in yourself. That's a foundation for self-trust is a foundation for um, self-esteem, for self-confidence, for self-efficacy. And when you have those things, you don't need to overthink. Mm. So are you saying that with self-trust, even if the thing that you're overthinking about, and if the worst case scenario does happen, you're able to not let that affect you because you have that trust and stability within yourself? Not that it won't affect you, but rather regardless of its effect, you're going to have your back. Mm. Yeah, I feel like there's just such a need for control of the future that it just completely overtakes us. And a lot of the times that overthinking doesn't actually affect the outcome. If you know, you're not making any direct action to try to change that outcome, like just that ruminating and thinking, you know, overthinking and staying up at night, that's not going to affect the outcome at all. It's just going to hurt you even more. Yeah. But it can be an addiction. Thinking is very addictive. Because, you know, we, we really want to have that control, right? So when there's a fear, when there is something that we want to avoid, usually some kind of addiction comes. Addiction is not just in the form of drugs or, you know, behaviors. It's, it's also the behavior of overthinking. And when there is a fear and there's avoidance, there can be an addiction to procrastination. There can be an addiction to thinking. So look at it for, if you look at it in that way, you could say, oh, wait a minute, huh, I'm kind of... Uh, avoiding the real emotion and deeper issue by just trying to control everything. Mm. Catch it as avoidance. Mm. But could overthinking be a good thing? I'm just like trying to play devil's advocate here. Like could thinking about, you know, the worst case scenario be actually beneficial for us in any way? That's not overthinking. Mm. (laughs) So like, overthinking is like by definition thinking too much you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like once it goes into overthinking it's thinking it's like thinking in an unhealthy way mm-hmm. if i mean what people think would be overthinking would, which would mean calculating possible outcomes you need to do that in, in business or in relationships you need to have foresight so again we're not you know to uh, balance ourselves out and clarify for some people again what we're talking about is not forgetting all calculation and you know foregoing any possibility thinking 
We want to be possibility thinking, but when we ruminate and, you know, overthink and overthink and spin our wheels, right. Then it's like, it starts to affect us negatively when we were just like exhausted by thought. Right. But what you're saying, like, is it possible that considering other possibilities and considering what could, what could be the out, the possible outcomes, isn't that, you know, good to think about? And yes, it is. It is good to think about, but it just needs to be from a place, not of fear and trying to avoid something, but rather from, from a place of, I want to choose what's best for me. So I'm going to think ahead and I'm going to have some foresight and I'm going to say, okay, what is actually the, what is most aligned with my values? What is most aligned with what I actually want in the future? And that kind of thinking is very beneficial. So, you know, it's not, I'm not saying go against that and don't think it in the future, but rather, um, don't think in a way that that makes you spin your wheels. Don't think in a way where you're ruminating on the same topic for hours and hours and hours for the sake of trying to control the outcome. So, you know, it's really about outcome independence, right? And focusing on how can I, um, instead of control the outcome, how can I look toward what I really want and act in a way that is in alignment with that? and let the rest happen, mm. right? But you can't let the rest happen if you don't trust yourself. Yeah, and you said there's self-trust, but there's also trust in the universe or whatever you believe that higher power is. Like, I guess this is also something that I'm trying to work on, like just letting go of control, you know, doing the things that I need to do in order, like doing everything that I can possibly do in the moment to try to get to that destination. But there's also that like, external factor where it's okay I just need to let the universe take me where I'm supposed to go and if it's not where I envision myself to be that's okay because I'm sure there is a uh, a greater purpose or a greater lesson here for me to learn that's that's wise of you because the universe has a much bigger will than you it has much more willpower and has much more force than you and we just we just think that, okay, the universe is like totally indifferent. And if I don't exert my willpower onto the universe, then I'm just surrendering. I'm putting up the white flag and I'm just going to let life take me. And I'm going to be this kind of, um, you know, just mass that's just being tossed around by life. And, you know, but it, it just, it really just isn't that way. Like we think of, there's a bad connotation. Not a, not a bad kind of connotation. There's a bad um, stigma. I would say there's a stigma around surrender, the word surrender. And we see it as like, well, if I just accept myself that how as I am, then I'm not going to have any desire to progress. If I give myself the love that I'm looking for, then what's the impetus to grow? This is the, this is the logic of the person who has toxic productivity, the perfectionist right? To the people pleaser. If I give myself what I actually need, which is the love and acceptance that I, that I crave, then what's the impetus to help others? Cause I'm already giving myself what I want. Right. But that that's coming from a place of, I need them. And then when they give it to me, then I'm fulfilled. But when you give something to yourself, when you're full and whole in yourself, what happens? You're not like, okay, let me just store it in a bank somewhere. When you're full and past full, it exudes and spreads out to others. And you want to help others from a place of wholeness. If you're super happy, 
you, you just end up calling friends or, or talking to other people and, and helping the way you can. You know, you're, you're serving from a place of a full heart, from your heart, not from a place of reciprocity, not from a place of getting and giving. You know, so that's the thing that people don't understand about surrender is that, like, you don't always have to work from a place of I give you this, you give me that so that I can fulfill myself. When you surrender and you, when you surrender, you actually feel more whole. And when you, when you say, okay, I accept this situation as it is without trying to change it, you become whole in that process because you're allowing that thing that you're denying to come back home and be a part of who you are. And when that happens, something, something shifts inside yourself. It's not like, okay, this is a part of who I am. I'm just going to stay like this. But when you accept yourself as you are and and show love to that part of yourself, it's almost like that conflict resolves in yourself because you're not avoiding it, denying it, rejecting it. And you're more okay with it. And when your relationship changes to that thing that you are rejecting, i.e. the love in yourself, when you accept love in yourself, even in your flawed, imperfect self, when you accept love in yourself, then you have the you have the courage, you have the freedom to grow and, and go beyond yourself. When you're, when you're always in conflict, trying to earn your own love, you're, just, you're constantly fighting and thinking that, oh, I can achieve this. And then if I achieve this thing, then I'll get the love finally. And you do for a little while, and then it goes away again, right? Because it's, it's built on, on that conflict. This relationship you have with self-worth is built on the conflict. So you need more conflict in order to gain more self-worth. You see what I mean? It's a, it's a cycle. So instead, when you, but the thing is, from that perspective of the, of the perfectionist, the toxic productivity, you think if I give myself the self-worth now, oh, damn, I, I, I'm not going to have any more self-worth anymore because I have no conflict to be able to grow and get more self-worth because that's, that's how you think you earn self-worth. When you give it to yourself and you, you, you feel whole and you surrender to, okay, I have flaws. I'm imperfect, but I'm still lovable. When you surrender to that, surrender to your flaws and, and still accept yourself and give yourself what you really need. You don't stop having a desire to grow. You're inspired to grow. You have more courage to grow because you have a platform of self-love. Wow, that is such a beautiful perspective. I just love what you said about accepting the things that you've been denying and just like letting those things, those those parts of yourself that you've been rejecting or denying, just letting them come home to yourself. And when you're able to give yourself that self-love, I think about, you know, like relationships and how a lot of the times we seek for someone else to give us that love you know when you're coming from a place of lack you actually aren't able to give that other person love because you don't even give that love to yourself so when you're able to give that love to yourself and like you said when it starts overflowing that's what you give to other people because you already have so much that you know you're not just keeping even more to yourself you've already had enough so that's how you're able to you know cultivate those loving relationships and friendships. And, and that's 
those are the type of people that you're going to attract because you're attracting people from a place of self-love rather than, you know, that transactional, oh, I give you this and I'll, you give me that. And it's always going to be coming from, you know, that's, it's that negative cycle of coming from a place of lack and then never feeling worthy. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just like processing everything you said, and it makes so much sense. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, good. There was a few different, um, I think I was interweaving a tapestry of the internal world of the perfectionist or the, t- the toxic productivity uh, person. Yeah. I think I was in, I was kind of interweaving two or three different um, aspects, right? And I think to make it concise, I think one was that they crave self-love and that they create a, their relationship to self-love and self-worth is toxic. It is a cycle, right? And that they're dependent upon that cycle to get self-worth because they believe that if they accept themselves, they're not going to have any desire to grow. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that it's false because surrender gives a stable platform to move from. So it's mm-hmm. kind of th- three or four different things. I hope that laying it out like that really helped. Yeah. That last part. So you said that, you know, you'll still be inspired to grow. It's not that when you surrender, you'll, you'll not have that motivation anymore. It's rather coming from, you know, it's more inspired action because you have that strong foundation of self-love within you. Right. And that's, that's the conundrum in people who view the world through that perspective of, I need to earn love. Cause you know, cause then it's like, well, if I, my whole motivation to to grow and become better is because I want love. So if I get what I want, then why grow? Why not just sit on the couch? I love myself. Fuck it. They're like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, so that's the way, the way that they see it, but they don't understand that when you do have, when you, when your cup is full and when you do love yourself for who you are, you don't just stop. You know, we have an innate desire to grow and to, and to, you start focusing on what else is possible. You start focusing on your potential. You start focusing on utilizing your higher skills. You move to a different perspective, not on gaining, 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 pulling in, pulling in energy, pulling in love. But once you have it, you start saying, how could I grow to be even, even better? And you're not coming to you're not saying, how can I become better from a place of I need to, but rather from this is exciting. I, I'm going to focus on my passions. I'm going to focus on what I value and what's important to me. And I'm going to utilize my potential to, to be the best pro- possible version of myself, not because I have to, to get love, but because that's what humans do. They, they want, they seek to flourish to become an oak tree from a, you know, from a um, acorn, you know, they seek to develop, right? So it's that innate desire is deeper than um, just satisfying self-love, but people with toxic productivity don't understand that. Mm. And when you're able to give yourself that self-love and you start focusing on your potential and you start seeing the other things that you can do, it's not really like, even when you said that I felt like it came from a place of more pure intentions rather than constantly being stuck in this like loop of anxiety and fear and, you know, 
constantly need needing to reach for the next thing. It's kind of like, oh, I want to do this. Like I want to do it because it makes me feel good rather than I want to do this because I want to stop this negative feeling from arising. You do it from a place of more pure intent. Right. Yeah. There's no more shoulds. There's no more need to. It's, it's abundant. It's, I want to do this. Yeah. I'm choosing this. Yeah. 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 I love that. And I have one last question to end the podcast today, but before that, if listeners could take away one, one lesson from our conversation today, what would you say that would be? Hmm. It'd probably be that you're responsible for validating your own worth and to recognize that your worth is not in anything you do. It's not in who you are even. It's in what you are. It's in being a human being, being the kind of being that we are, who can feel pain and pleasure, who, you know, and and can think and, and have emotions. I think that would probably be the takeaway is to recognize that your worthiness of being love, loved and accepted does not depend on what gets achieved for the day, does not depend on how you look, does not depend on how useful you are to others, but rather that it's a human need to be loved and, and to feel that you belong. And then something that you can give to yourself first. Mm, yeah, I love that. And for the last question on podcast, this is something that I ask every guest that comes onto my show. Mm. Since my podcast is called It's Growing Season, I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons in their life. So mm. I wanted to ask you, how would you define this specific season in your life? Hmm. I think this is this is more of a, a season of exploration. I I'm ex- I think I'm I'm moving a lot more into community than I than I did uh, maybe like a year or so ago. I think coming out of the pandemic, I'm, I'm recognizing that there is a need for community in my life, and I have really great community around me. And besides that, I'm also expanding outward in my business, and I'm exploring different options of how can I operate my business. How can I operate my coaching sessions? How can I go deeper into people's minds and to, into their hearts? So I, this for me is, is a season of exploration and a season of growing in multiple directions. And I'm, I'll probably end up um, trimming the hedges a little bit later on in life to see uh, what exactly is the right thing or not the right thing, but what is most aligned with me. But for now, I think this is a season of exploring outward and um reaching my hands in multiple directions to um, see what do I want to get myself into? Like, how can I go a little bit deeper? How can I, you know, it's a curious phase for me. It's a phase of intuition, of exploration, of curiosity of, yeah. um, Yeah. Going into the abyss, going into the unknown, (laughs) going in multiple directions. And yeah. I love that. I'm very excited for you. I can tell how passionate you are about the work that you do. And I'm so happy that we're able to connect today. And for listeners who are curious to learn more about you, where can they find you and where can they find your content? Sure. So best, best way to find me is on Instagram. It's at underscore T-J-M-E-A-G-H-E-R. That's the best place because I put most of my content on there. Um, you can find me on TikTok as well under the same name. But really, to be honest, it's mostly on Instagram. That's where you'll find, you'll find me at most of the, most of the time. Awesome. TJ, thank you so much for joining me today and for just sharing your your experiences and insight with us. I had such a wonderful time. Yeah, me too, Maggie. Thanks for for bringing me on. It was a good, good conversation. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to leave me a review and give me a follow. And you can also find me on my Instagram at mags.lee and at its growing season, as well as my website, which is growwithmaggie.com. And you'll be able to find all of this in the show notes below. Thank you so much again for taking the time to listen. And I hope to see you in a future episode. Bye, everybody.